mother's particular favourite, a preference that was formed, she said, upon the handsome colour of her eyes. I do not resemble her except in pieces. She always said that I bore my father's likeness, though my father never returned to the Ore House after I was born, and as you know, I never met him. I've been told that prostitution is a social ill composed of male licentiousness on the one hand and female depravity on the other. And although I know this to be the opinion of wiser men than I, nevertheless, it does not make sense of how I remember my mother in my mind. She had fine pipes and loved to sing all manner of hymns in the morning, a practice that I also loved. I believe she was kind and hard-working, and although she was known to be a flirt, she was a very good one. How strange that we have separate mothers but share a father. I suppose it means that we are only half alike. But forgive these idle meditations, and please accept my apologies, and my assurance that I remain yours, Crosby Wells. Dunedin, June 1854 Sir, Perhaps it is right you do not reply. You're acting only as a man of your eye station can, and you have a reputation to consider. I think I have become contented with your silence, strange though that might sound. I've secured a modest wage and decent lodgings, and I'm settling down, as they term it here. I find Dunedin much changed in the summer months. The sun is bright on the hills and on the water, and I can bear the briskness very well. How odd it is that I should find myself on the contrary face of the world. I believe that I am as far from England as any man could be. You will be surprised to learn that I am not to return home after all. I have resolved to make New Zealand the land in which I will be buried. Perhaps you wonder what spurred this change of heart, and so I shall tell you. You see, in New Zealand every man has left his former life behind, and every man is equal in his way. Of course, the flockmasters of Otago are barons here, just as they were barons in the Scottish Islands. But for men like me, there is a chance to rise. I find this very cheering. It is not uncommon for men to tip their hats to one another in the street, regardless of their station. For you, perhaps, this is not a strange occurrence, but for me, it is a wondrous one. The frontier, I think, makes brothers of us all, and in making this remark, I shall remain yours very truly, Crosby Wells. Dunedin, August 1854 Sir, you will, I hope, forgive these letters. I have no other correspondence, and thoughts of you consume my days. I've been waxing philosophical myself in thinking what might have happened if you knew me sooner, or if I knew you. I do not know your age, so I do not know if you are the elder or if I am the elder. In my mind the difference signifies, and because I am the bastard I imagine myself younger, but of course that might not be the case. There were other children in the ore house, several girls who grew up all in, and one boy who died of smallpox when I was very young, but I was the eldest always, and I should have liked a brother to admire. I've been thinking with much sadness upon the fact that I do not know whether you have sisters and brothers, or if there are other bastards, or if your father ever spoke of me to you. If I were in London, 
I'll be taking every chance to walk to Glen House and look in through the railings and spy my father, whom you remember I've never seen. I have his letter still. It says he knew of me and watched me, and I wonder what he thought of me and what he might think about the life I lead here. But perhaps he is no longer living. You wish not to be my brother. You have made that clear. But perhaps you are as my priest with our correspondence as confession. I am heartened by this notion, for I say with pride that I was properly confirmed. But I expect you are a Church of England man. Yours, Crosby Wells. Dunedin, November 1854. Sir, do you feel as if you know me or could pick me from a crowd? It struck me lately that I know your likeness, though you do not know mine. We are not so dissimilar in our physique, though I am slighter, I think, and my hair is darker than yours, and folk would likely say that yours is the kinder face because my expression is too often sullen. I wonder if you walk about and think of me, and if you search for fragments of my features in other people's faces or their bodies when they pass you by. That is what I did every day when I was young, and dreaming always of my father and trying to piece him from all the faces I had known. How comforting to think of all that unites us as brothers living at the end of the world. You are the subject of my repeating thoughts today. Sincerely, Crosby Wells The next letter in the sequence was much crisper, and the ink much brighter. Moody looked at the date and noticed that nearly a decade had elapsed since Crosby Wells' last correspondence. Dunedin, June 1862 Sir, I will renew my correspondence to inform you very proudly that I write this as a married man. The courtship was a very short one, though I believe the script followed conventional themes. In recent months, I've been digging the gullies at Lawrence, and though I have amassed a competence, I am yet to truly strike. Mrs. Wells, as I must call her now, is a fine specimen of the female sex, and one I shall be very proud to carry on my arm. I suppose she is your sister now. I should like to know if you have a sister already, or if Mrs. Wells is your very first. You shall not hear from me for some time after this, for I must return to Dunstan in order to provide for my wife. What are your thoughts on the gold rush, I wonder? Recently I heard a politician speak who called the gold a moral scourge. It is true that on the diggings I have seen much degradation, but there was degradation prior to the strike as well. I fancy that it is the thought of men like me becoming rich that has most politicos afraid. Cordially, Crosby Wells Kowarau November 1862 Sir, I read in the papers that you are recently married, for which I offer my heartiest congratulations. I have not seen a picture of your wife, Caroline, nay, Goff, but she is reported to be a very fine match. I am happy when I think that we will both spend our Christmases as married men. I will journey back from Lawrence to spend the season with my wife, who keeps her lodgings in Dunedin, and does not come to the diggings, as she cannot bear the mud. I've never become used to Christmas in the summertime, 
and feel the tradition as a whole is suited best to the colder months. Perhaps I blaspheme.